Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. That was my cue to get up, so I'm going to try to obey God. Turn with us today to the book of Hebrews. Um, Desire your prayers this morning. Just grateful to be here. Uh, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter number 11. Um, Well, I don't have to tell you guys everything, but I was going to, I wanted to preach this one tonight. It kind of goes right behind the one that was preached Wednesday night on faith. And uh, again, the topic this morning is faith. But... um, Anyway, God's directed me to go ahead and, and let's, get this, let's get this in front of us this morning and then we'll see what happens tonight. Hebrews chapter number 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Look down now to verse number 13. These all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Father, we pray you'd open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. Forgive us where we failed, and yet as we come before you, we pray that with your word you would strengthen us, that you would refresh our hearts, that you would convict us of sin, that you would draw us into a right relationship with you. We're desperate for you on every, on every way. Help us, we pray, as we ask. Take now the vessel the instrument, and use it according to your purpose and your glory. 
We trust not in ourselves, but lean completely upon you. As we, we desire your word. We hunger for this word. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'll do my best today not to go backwards in if you missed Wednesday night, I think you can listen to it online. But I do want to say that faith, if that's the topic, we need to remind ourselves that that it is the substance of things hoped for. Faith itself is the evidence, right? And I realize that's a paradox to the way that we think naturally, but faith is the evidence of things not seen. And I hope that before we end this morning that you recognize how that works. And I believe the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit did a wonderful job here, a masterful way of showing us this truth in the greatest of ways. Now, verse number 2, the Bible said, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Um, that's a That's a very simple way of saying that it was imputed to them for righteousness. Um, That good report that he's referring to is a remarkable thing, something that we certainly haven't earned or deserved, but according to the Apostle Paul, it was their faith in God. Their faith, a faith that was so great that they understood that everything they saw came from nothing. It came from God. It It was created by God. And all of this they understood by faith. Specifically, he said, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, we, re- we remember what happened between Cain and Abel, but it was the covetousness of Cain's heart, the jealousy of his own heart, and his unwillingness to offer unto God the best. And yet, and yet, hear me now, if Cain had offered his sacrifice truly in faith, as the best he had, God would have received it. It's not the size of the sacrifice or the quality, friend, so to speak, of what it is that I can offer. Because I can assure you, people are far better than me, right? There are far better people than me, far more gifted, far more able in so many ways. And yet what I'm saying to you today, it's it's not so to speak. That sacrifice itself, it's the faith of which it was given. If, if Cain truly had done his very best and had done all that he could as he brought unto him his sacrifice, God would have honored the sacrifice, but he did not. And what Abel offered unto God was his very best, and he believed it was his very best, and he offered unto God without any reservation. He wasn't wanting it back. He offered it unto God, and God accepted that. And it was given unto Abel as righteousness. We read about Enoch in verse number 5. You know, I'm trying to get somewhere with this. But, but Enoch in verse number 5, the Bible said that, that, that he didn't die. He was translated, or in other words, his body was transfigured right as he walked with God one day. And the scripture said simply that he was not. Uh, he was here one minute, and the next minute he was not. Uh, He was alive and visible to others one second, and the next thing you know, he was not. The Bible said that God had walking with Enoch, which I find wondrous to think about, is that God said, why don't you just come on with me now? 
And the Bible said that Enoch never died. His body, as he walked along with Christ, he was transfigured into that very thing immortal that God has to do with the flesh anyway. And the Bible said that Enoch walked with God, but he but he had this testimony before he was translated. Before he ever left this world, he had this testimony. And that was that he pleased God. He pleased him. I don't know about you, but I believe that truly if you've been born again, there there's a desire to please the Lord. There ought to be anyway. And if you find yourself this morning, and that's not your greatest desire, is how to please God, I'd suggest you're probably not right with him. And that there's something in your way, an obstacle that keeps you from being where you need to be today. But I believe that every heart, truly, if you've been born again, you have a good desire to please God. And yet we find in verse number 6 that we find out what it takes to please God. Now, I'm glad that it wasn't an amount of money that he listed there, or it would exclude most of us. I'm glad that it wasn't a certain IQ or intelligence that was being required, um, because that as well would exclude many. I'm glad that it wasn't a birthright or an order or something of that nature that might be placed upon us, even apart from our own abilities or doing, because that would exclude us. I'm glad today that what it takes to please God is something far different. I started to say simple, but it's not necessarily simple. It's just different. What pleases God more than anything is when we believe Him. And oh, how we struggle to believe God. Well, how we wrestle with some of the things that God has promised, some of those things that he said quite literally and simply to you and I, and yet we struggle with them. How many times that we we struggle with the very words of Christ who hath made promises to you and I, and when we find ourselves in the darkest of times, it seems when when our hope is just seemingly fading away, that we find that it's because we have not believed God that we, instead of simply trusting him, that we allow something else to take its place. We allow the logic of our own minds or the rationale of our own hearts. We begin to try to try to justify or figure out all that is going on. And when, then we begin to try to tell God what needs to be done and how it needs to be done and the right way to do it. And may I say, in all of this, we really don't have any idea what we're doing. We are so lost apart from God. What a wondrous thing that God would tell us what it takes to please him. What a wondrous truth and what great challenge has been laid at our feet today when we recognize that the one thing that excites God, the one thing that, that pleases God the most is when we simply say, Lord, I believe you. I believe you in spite of what it is I'm seeing. I believe you in spite of what it is I'm hearing. I believe your word in spite of what the world is saying. I believe you in spite of what I feel in my heart, what I think in my mind. I'm going to believe you in spite of all of those things. And I believe according to the word of God that I can say simply that that just tickles him to death. You say why? Well, throughout every one of the men of faith and the men of God and all in this chapter, this great chapter of faith, the one thing they all had in common was that they believed God. They believed God. Now, some of you are sitting there today in the comfort of your own leisure, right? You're just happy to be here. Everything's going good. All is well, but I'll assure you that'll change, right? Something will happen. It won't be long, 
and you'll be looking or staring right in the face of adversity or trouble or affliction or a disease or a sickness or the unknown and all of these things, I can assure you, will rock you. It'll, it'll break you right down to the bottom. And yet in all of this, you know what the Lord said to do? Believe me. Believe me. The very heart of salvation itself is anchored in that one simple thing. Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe. And according to the Apostle Paul, you just please the Almighty. I don't know about you, but of all the things that God could have said that, that, that would put the, the responsibility on us to do, all he said for me to do, all he asked for me to do, all he said that pleased him truly was for me to believe him. And yet I find that it's not the simplest thing to do. It wasn't easy for Abraham when he stepped out that day and God said to him, he said, I'm going to take you to a place that you've never been. I need you to gather up your family and all your stuff. And he said, I want you to follow me. And then he told him, he said, I'm going to make of your seed as innumerable as the stars are in the sky. He said, so shall thy seed be, Abraham. He said, as the sand of the seashore are innumerable. He said, so shall thy seed ever be. And you know what Abraham had to do? He had to believe God for that. Did you know that Abraham never received that promise? I want you to think about that. Abraham never received that promise. When Abraham died, were his seed as innumerable as the sand of the sea? No. No, as a matter of fact, you can get to King David and he's still numbering them. What God intended was a nation that was more than just physical or of a lineage. What God was speaking about was something spiritual. But even then, even then, as they enumerated the, the people of God and censused the people of God and David got in trouble for the whole act of trying to do it, what God was saying was, is I made a promise to Abraham and I'm going to keep it. Amen. You see, Abraham died before he believed or before he seen the promise. And you know what God said? He said, it pleased me that Abraham died in faith. You see, God had made a promise to Abraham, but he didn't give him what he promised while he was alive. But was God's promise tied to Abraham's living? It is not. You realize today that some of the some of the promises that God has made to me have nothing to do with whether I'm living or, or dead. The promises of God, you see, go far beyond whether or not I receive them in this world or in the world to come. But God has made promises to you and I, friend, that I will receive. I will see them one day, but it may not be in this life. What a wondrous thing that he shows us here in this particular passage. Without faith, it's, in, it's impossible to please God. You simply cannot. You cannot get to the place where God is, is, is pleased or excited with you and I unless we're willing to believe his word, his promises. Now, we could go through the Bible and, and have and, and shared with you multiple promises of God, but it, really what it comes down to is are we willing to say yes, Lord? Are we willing to say yes, whatever you say, I'm going to trust you. 
In spite of what's going on right here or what's happening over there, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe you. That's what God is looking for in you and I. Oh, how I wish that I could be such a man. How I want to be in my heart. Someone that when God says it, I just believe it. And I go on believing in the word of my God, knowing that his word can't fail, knowing that his word will never cease, knowing that it's forever settled in heaven. The word of God is true and every man a liar. And all he's asked me to do was to believe it, to believe his word. What a wondrous thing to believe the word of God and to know that it pleases God when we believe him. Well, we find ourselves reckoning with, with truths just like this and promises that God has made and yet I've never received the promise. But may I say to you that Abraham never received his promise. Now, God had promised him that he'd give him a son, and he did do that, and Abraham seen that. God had promised. And according to the scripture here in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, Abraham believed God that even if he had to have sacrificed him that day, that God would have raised him from the dead. Why? Because God had made him a promise that he was going to give him a son, and from that son would that seed forever be. But you see, Abraham died having not received that particular part of the promise. You say, well, did God fail in not giving Abraham the promise? No. No, according to the Scripture, the Bible said that all of these died in faith. They died in faith. You say, what are you saying? Are there promises that God won't fulfill while I'm here? Yeah, I'm going to share one with you. But, but may I say to you today that these are our example. And God had given unto Abraham a promise that he would make of that that seed of Abraham, a nation, a people who were innumerable, a people who were blessed of God, a people who were his people, and he was their God. Now, Abraham died before ever receiving the promise, but according to the apostle Paul, he died in faith. He died believing that the promise was still coming. You say, how in the world, if I haven't received it here, will the promise of God be good? May I say to you, it's the same. Whether it was David, I mean, whether it was Abraham, whether it was Isaac or Jacob, or all the way down to King David, may I say to you, they all were clinging to the promise God had made to Abraham. They were all believing it. Daniel, the prophets, all of them were believing that God is the one that made the promise and that that promise would come true. But guess what? All of them died without having received the promise. Now, did that in any way make the promise of God of none effect? No. According to the Apostle Paul, they all died in faith, having not received the promise, but having embraced it having embraced it, having believed that even though they didn't see it, that it was still coming. Let me ask you a question. Has God fulfilled the promise that he made to Abraham? Yes, he has. Yes, innumerable. There's nobody able to number them. As a matter of fact, when the revelator looked into the glories of God, he looked and saw a number which no man could number. I can assure you today that God has fulfilled the promise of Abraham and he's got a seed as the sand of the seashore is innumerable. God has fulfilled his promise. But what about you and I? Do we have promises of that nature? 
promises that we may never see while we're alive? Let me give you just one. Jesus, when he left this earth, the one thing he told them, the angels looked at them poor disciples and they said, this same man you see going away, he's coming back. Did you know that Jesus made a promise that he would come again? He said in the book of John, he said, I'm going to go away and prepare you a place. I want you to know that's a promise. He said, and if I go away, he said, I want you also to know I'm coming back. And he said that where I am, there you may be also. That's a promise. You see, the Lord made a promise to me. He made a promise that he's coming back. Amen. And that's as great a promise as what he made unto Abraham, I'll assure you. I pray to God that you understand what I'm talking about today. But the Lord Jesus Christ made a promise to me that he was going to return. He was coming back to get me. But here's the truth. I may not live to see that day. I may not live to see that day. As a matter of fact, if we open those doors up and you looked out into that yard, what you'd see is a bunch of people who died believing that Jesus Christ was coming. Did they receive the promise? No, not yet. Amen. But bless God, that doesn't mean they ain't going to get it. They died in faith, having received and believed the promise. They embraced it. You see, there's a day coming that they'll lay me down out there. If you live long enough, you'll see it. But may I say to you, if the Lord ain't come back, and if they lay me out there, he will not have come back yet. But I've got a promise. And you know what? I'm going to have to die believing that promise. Unless the Lord comes back first. I will be just like those reported in Hebrews chapter 11. I will be one that has to die believing in the promise that is coming because I can assure you that those friend that we have laid out there that died in faith believing in Jesus Christ to be absent from that body is to be present with the Lord I can assure you today they have received amen the earnest of their inheritance they have received amen the glories of his holy presence but bless God they will see the promise of God They're not perfect until the promise is made complete in them too. Oh, what a simple truth. What a simple truth that I have a promise just like Abraham's that even though that promise I may never see with these earthly eyes, I'm dying believing. I will go to my grave believing that Jesus Christ is coming back. It's the same kind of promise. So he says in verse number six, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must what? Believe. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And, right, this is not the same thing. This is different. He puts, a, he puts a, an and in between the two to separate them, to make sure we understand what it is we're believing in. He said when you're believing in God, when you, when you believe God, the person that comes to God must believe, number one, that he is, and number two, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, you say, well, what's the difference? Number one says he is. He is what? He is everything. He is all things. He is all things 
rolled up into one thing. He is everything that I need. You know what that means? It means he can. Those that come to God must believe, number one, that he can, but also, number two, that he will. The Bible said that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Here's what I can tell you. When you believe in God and you come to God believing in him, not only can he do it, but he will do it. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I can assure you, your faith is not in vain, but it is in the Lord Jesus Christ who has all power to both do Amen. He can do anything he wants to. And brother, it's also his will. He will. He can and he will. And to those that come to God and are, are intent on pleasing God, they must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But first off, you've got to believe that he is. That he can do all of these things. Come get us all. Let me say this. There's people today that are trusting in God for all kinds of different things. And there are promises that I need him to fulfill while I'm here. But there are some promises that he's made to me that I may not receive in the flesh. I may, just like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all down through the lineage, all the way through, I, like them, may die just believing in the promise. But here's what I can tell you. The promise just because I died doesn't make it void. It doesn't change the promise of God. The timing of God or the purpose of God and all of these things, I can assure you that our faith matters in this process. It's impossible to please God without faith. I don't know your heart today, but let me say it this way. If you've never believed in Christ, then the one thing that could have ever brought pleasure to God, you never did. I'm not sure how you're expecting to get into heaven, but if the one thing that merited the the pleasure of God was believing in Christ, you've not done, then I can assure you today that your existence will be apart from Christ forever and ever. And there's a place for that. It's hell. It's hell. These promises ring true regardless of who you are. Regardless of whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, it doesn't change the fact that God has made some promises. And these promises are true. There's some, as a matter of fact, that I, I can't even see until I die. See, he made me a promise of a better country. And that's what he told to Abraham. And the Bible said Abraham, he was a pilgrim and a stranger here, and he was still seeking a city whose builder and maker wasn't God. But did he find it here? No. Where did he find it? There. You see, a bunch of the promises that God made me, I won't get them here. But that doesn't change the validity of the the promise. No, the promise is still true. He's promised that where he is, I will be also. See, I won't be able to know that one until I actually leave this world. And to all these, he said in Hebrews, died in the faith, having not received the promise, but having seen them afar off, Seen them afar off, they embraced them. They believed them with all of their heart. Do you believe today? Do you believe? I'm not talking about religion, right? That, that can't save you. But have you believed in Jesus Christ as your own Savior? 
Have you accepted him? Have you realized in your own heart that you need to be saved? That you're the one that is lost? And have you believed in Jesus Christ? The promise is made to us all. And yet for many of us and for many of his promises, we don't even get to see him until we leave this world. Do you have faith in it? Do you have faith in it? Say, preacher, I've got faith, and I know that heaven's coming. Then why don't you live that way? It seems to me that if we, if we really believed some of these things, it would change how I acted, how I talked, how I walked, what I did. Right? So I can say I believe in something, but the truth is, is do I live that way? Is the evidence there that my faith is not in this world, but in something that is better to come? Stand as we sing. I don't know your heart today, but I know this much. If you don't believe in Christ, you're going to miss heaven. You're going to miss heaven, and it's impossible to please God except through faith. Do you believe? Do you believe? If you're here and need him this morning, the altar's open. Would you obey God? Would you trust him this morning as your own? Let him be your Savior. As we sing.